Don't walk in front of me. I may not follow. Don't walk behind me. I may not lead. Walk beside me. Just be my friend. Hello and welcome to Guided Meditation 9, Choices, the audio of an Instagram Live that I did, guiding this meditation live so it'll have a different feel. Every instruction I give will be in real time. It'll be from the remastered audio of that Instagram Live, Guided Meditation 9, as will be Guided Meditation 10 tomorrow. And so I'll cut to that now. I hope you enjoy Guided Meditation 9. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Meditation 9. Today we will finally not be with the body anymore, or if you liked being with the body, we will, because you have choices today. So we'll be with either the breath or the body as a primary object. We'll also choose how we relate to the objects, whether we're using mental noting, and we'll also choose the closed versus open quality of our practice. So I'll guide you through each of those choices set you on your way. And uh, today is a, is a great day because it's when you can really start to come into your own practice and direct it yourself. So there will still be instructions, but they will be a little lighter. And this is, again, a 30-minute meditation. So you'll have plenty of time to start to come into what your practice will be in just three days when we're done with this challenge. So congratulations if you've made it all of this way, meditating longer than most people do when they're just starting out with meditation and really getting a full taste of the landscape. So that's really what I've been hoping to provide, you know, more than headspace or calm or what's already out there. I want to give you a broad tour of what's out there so that you can know and then you can know how you want to practice and ultimately be able to practice on your own without the guidance because uh, guidance is a bit of a double-edged sword. It really helps, it can get you in the door, but uh, the challenge that comes with not having guidance and directing your own practice uh, is also an opportunity to uh, really deepen concentration and further your practice on your own. So a lot of the bigger turning points in my practice and experiences I've had have been on my own, pretty much all of them have been, you know, when I'm practicing without guidance. So we'll start to make that transition. Don't worry, slowly, I'll still be giving you guidance. And we'll go for half an hour, starting in just a second here. I'll get the timer ready. Good to see all of you who have been regularly here. It's, it's really cool to see the discussions that have come up. You might have gotten in contact with each other and be able to support each other's practice. If you want to join my meditation community and stay in touch with what's going on in the future with meditations over Zoom and such, the link is in my bio on Instagram. All right, so let's settle in. Let's allow the chaotic energy of Instagram Live to fade away. Get a comfortable seat, get ready to go inward. I'll start the timer now for 30 minutes. So let's close our eyes, settle into the body, settle into the seated position, feeling the contact between our body and the seat, noticing whatever sensations are predominant through the whole body.
And as you start to notice sensations through the body, you might become aware of the sensations of the body breathing. Our old friend, the breath, familiar object of attention. So this brings up your first choice that you'll make for yourself, which is what do you want to be the primary object of attention? So for all of these choices, you have choice, but also you want to be firm in your choice. So you don't want to go back and forth through the whole meditation. It's easy for changing techniques to become essentially a form of mind wandering during meditation. We, you know, are with the breath for a while, we get frustrated, we're with the body for a while. We get frustrated, we go do some pointed practice. And that's not what we're going for because we don't want to respond to frustration or to difficulty simply by changing our practice. We can do that over the long term and you can make a different choice tomorrow and the next day. But for today, you want to pick an object of attention and commit to it. So it could be the breath, and if you're feeling the breath, it could be in many different areas. The inflow and outflow of air through the nostrils, the abdomen rising and falling. If you pick the body, you have options there as well. You could be aware of the body as a whole, points of contact in the body. You could hone in on the area between the nose and the upper lip if you really want to do a pointed practice. And you could also use a really broad, open object of attention, like white noise in the room, vague sounds in the room. When the mind is really quiet, you can tune into what some call the sound of silence, just sort of the background sound quality, even if there are no particular sounds. So breath, body, sound, or something else. Go ahead and pick your primary object of attention. Resting your attention here with this anchor. This is the place from which we relate to other experiences. So other experiences will, of course, come up. The mind will wander. We'll hear noises, we'll think thoughts, we'll have feelings. So we allow the attention to go those places. It's not as if we could stop it, but we notice when it goes those places and we return it back to the breath or to whatever primary object of attention you're using. The second major choice that you have to make is how you're going to relate to these other objects of attention that come up and pull you away from the primary object of attention. So we learned a technique of mental noting that's very robust. 
We can use mental noting to describe almost anything. And you can use mental noting to describe whatever you would like. So if you want to use the big umbrella of mental noting that we learned and do a noting practice, it's a very powerful, robust practice, keeping the mind engaged with what we're doing. So noting, hearing, seeing, smelling, probably not tasting, but who knows, feeling, thinking, and even more particularly planning, remembering, analyzing, pulsing, vibrations, heaviness, tension. So if you can note it, creating some space from it, space to see your own reactivity and to not get sucked into any reactivity, to view everything that comes up as something impersonal, something impermanent, it arises and passes away, and something that isn't worth clinging to or pushing away, but that you can just let be. So if you want to use mental noting across the board, use mental noting. If you want to only use mental noting for thinking or for more challenging objects of attention that really pull you away and are sticky, you can do that. And if you want to have a completely nonverbal practice, So we have a primary object of attention. We have the whole field of everything else that can come up. We have how we relate to it in terms of mental noting. And the final major decision is how we relate to it in terms of investigation versus concentration. So you can choose to be more investigative or more concentrated in this practice. To be completely concentrated would be to just be in a closed practice with one little area of the body or the breath, one object of attention, shutting everything else out and just concentrating on that one thing. So that's not what we're doing, but shy of that, as long as you're more open than that, you can be as open or as closed as you want. So in a more closed practice, other objects of attention come up, Things pull our attention away. We quickly let them go and return to the primary object, solidifying the primary object, focusing on it with concentration. In a more open practice, you can feel free to let the attention be with something else for a longer period of time, to investigate these other things that come up. So rather than just running back to the breath, you actually feel those, you, you be with that and see if you can notice more about it. Are there subtler sensations under the surface? Does it amplify? Does it weaken as you pay attention to it? So make that decision of how investigative versus how concentrated you want to be. 
So be firm in what you decide. So you are now in your own practice. You still might like hearing my voice. It might keep you on track or not. You might be ready to fly and say goodbye to my voice. But regardless of where you fall, I will start giving instructions a little more sparingly during this meditation. I'll come back with a minor vengeance tomorrow as we try a new deeper technique. But today, just trust yourself. Trust that you've meditated sufficiently at this point to have skills, to know what meditation is and what it's about, and to have a sense of judgment about your practice, to be able to make judgment calls, to be able to decide what's most skillful for your practice right now. If something comes up that makes you want to adjust your posture or to scratch an itch or to do something else, just making an adjustment for yourself, remember to notice that urge if you can, 
before you just compulsively stretch or compulsively do what you have to do. But if you do notice it multiple times, it keeps coming into your attention. You can do what you have to do. Just try and do it slowly with mindfulness. So mindfulness doesn't end. It ebbs and flows. It might get really low if we're doing something pretty unconsciously, but it's never zero and it's never perfect. So our goal is just to cultivate mindfulness, to get used to more mindfulness as we're sitting in an easy situation to be mindful and ultimately to bring that mindfulness to the world. The world needs it. External situations are often approached best if we've first done this internal work. If we've done enough internal work to respond rather than react to situations and to really mindfully choose how we want to relate to the external world, what choices we want to make. I mention the Buddha from time to time, not because I'm a Buddhist, but just because the Buddha's life was quite instructive, teaching lessons of balance and this concept of the middle way. So the super short story is the Buddha grew up as royalty, as a prince, extremely wealthy, extremely sheltered, 
at some point or another realized this wasn't the life for him, a life that would allow him to be free, and so became an ascetic, started starving himself, mutilating himself, and trying to achieve enlightenment that way, eventually realizing that it wouldn't work, and eventually finding what he called the middle way. The middle way between gratifying ourselves and denying ourselves. And that concept of the middle way applies to almost every choice we make in meditation and in life, finding the right balance. It applies to finding the right balance between investigating a sensation and sticking with the primary object. It applies to finding the right balance between listening to me versus listening to yourself. Noticing when the balance in your mind has been lost and you do need to take a time out from the decisions you've made and go back to something like counting the breaths. I do this all the time. If the balance in my mind is lost, I'll just return to a simple concentration practice. So always try and remain balanced and find the middle way as you make decisions in your practice. Feeling out what's right for you. Knowing that the person who knows the most by far about what's right for you is not the guy giving instructions to hundreds of people at once that are supposed to apply to everyone the same way. It's you. You know your practice better than anyone knows your practice.
Whatever comes up in meditation is something to notice, and whatever your reaction to that thing is, is also something to notice. So this meditation has been different. I'm encouraging independence, and you can notice how you relate to that. What reactions is that causing? Why? What reactions does my voice cause when I talk, when I instruct, when I tell a story? Is it different, different times? Is there an expectation? Are you anticipating instructions? or talking? Or are you just in this present moment, just with this breath, or just feeling the body right now? This is still about what I said it was about the very first time we meditated together, that first session, coming back here, now, to this. It's about the present moment, being right here for it, being with this right now.
How has the silence been for you? Is it difficult, challenging? Often when we break away from guided meditation and we meditate on our own, that's pretty tough. We don't have that automatic reminder of what we're doing, that automatic reminder to gently come back to the primary object of attention. So without that reminder, can you still practice? Can you be okay with how practice is going? Can you remember that even if you wander, even if you think hundreds of times, even if you are thinking for minutes, minutes and minutes, so long as in that moment where you notice, that moment when you realize you're thinking, that mindful moment that you can celebrate, so long as in that moment you gently return your attention back to the primary object of attention, you are practicing correctly, with patience for yourself, letting go of judgment of yourself, and just allowing whatever is coming up in practice right now to be there. Allowing that to be okay. So as we come to a close, 
Having made choices and gotten into our own practice, you can now let go, relax, reconnect to your body sitting in this room, where you are in time and space, and just be as we close this meditation. So open your eyes, reconnect with being here in this room, and thank yourself for doing this today. And notice how you feel. And however you feel, remember that we're not striving for any feeling in particular. There's nothing in particular to want. It's a tricky, nuanced point. But even though we get into meditation to have these effects, and those effects do happen, and they're great, that quality of craving, of wanting, of needing to be calm, or needing approval, or praise, or love, or to be on a reality show, or to get attention, or to be noticed, whatever it is, whatever comes up, it has this quality of not being ultimately satisfying. So you either know what you want, and you're trying to get it, or you get what you want, and you no longer know what you want, because you realize what you got actually wasn't what you thought it would be. It didn't give you this permanent happiness that you thought it would give you. So that applies to things we want in life, and it applies to meditative states. So the meditative states can be great, they can be calm, this can be a healing practice. I'm seeing a lot of good comments, actually. Mindful, calm, clarity. I've spent time on retreats really, really wanting that breakthrough, that mystical experience, and then eventually realizing how foolish I was because there's nothing really to want. Any experience is going to arise and pass away. And this can come off as depressing, nihilistic, but it doesn't have to be. You don't have to relate to it negatively. You can just take meditation as an opportunity to look into this and to hold life a little loosely, to have fun with it, to be playful and not take yourself too seriously. Hey to Algeria. Hey, Dexter. I focus on the breathing later on, but I was transitioning to sensations automatically. Okay, so that happens as well. So if you're with a primary object, anything else can come up, can draw our attention. And so you don't have to see that as a threat to your primary object of the breath. You know, if it's happening all the time, then you're getting into a more open practice, and that's fine. You're getting into a practice of more investigation, where you're going to different bodily sensations that become predominant, and nothing wrong with that. It's a Buddhist approach to dealing with trauma and fear. I'm not sure if you're referring to my approach, but I just want to be clear on the Buddhism point because I do draw on Buddhism. I find the Buddha inspiring, but I'm not a Buddhist. I don't teach Buddhism. I'm not qualified to teach Buddhism. I just find a lot of the things that were said by this remarkable figure in a pre-literate society in 600 or 500 BC to be a uh, profound and insightful and really incredible that someone at that point in time was able to have these insights into causality and how our minds work and also incredible that we can actually hear the words from him so if you compare it to other religious traditions i mean i don't view any religious tradition as better or more insightful or less insightful but we just heard a lot more from the horse's mouth with buddhism there's a ton out there in the suttas of what the buddha actually explicitly said if you compare it to Christianity, we have some from Jesus, but a lot of it is the disciples. We just don't have as much. 
My object of focus was the area between my eyes. Then for a second, it felt like I was riding or driving a spaceship. That was my body in the outer space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so notice, notice uh, that sensation. So your, your, you know, concept of feeling like a spaceship in outer space is based on something, right? You got that idea, that sensation based on sensations, based on smaller sensations, based on experiences. So just being with those experiences. And if the experience is one of feeling, you know, like you are not in the body or like you are sort of uh, floating around, uh, be right there for that. That's a great experience to be there for. All right. All right. Can you concentrate on multiple parts of the body at once or should you focus on one at a time? For example, back pain and gut pain. So attention is a really tricky thing. Attention can have a quality of being a little scattered and sort of being on the background more than the foreground. So it's very possible to have multiple things feeling like you're they're in your attentional field but the direction of your attention should be focused in one place. So if the back pain is most predominant, you're there, you're there, you're aware of the gut pain, you feel it, but you're with the back pain. And then when the gut pain becomes more predominant, you can switch. You're with the gut pain. And when you're with pain, try and be very clear on what it is you're with. So you want to be with the objective as much as you can, the objective sensations. If you're in the story of, oh, this is painful, I don't like this, this is, this is really unpleasant, I don't want to look at this, you're amplifying the pain. So you want to look at how much of the pain is mental, how much is physical. It's not to say that it might be, you know, legitimate and valid and physical and distressing. It easily could be. There's no guarantee that it'll go away just from you looking at it objectively. But if you do look at it objectively, you can at least stop yourself from blowing it up in your head, amplifying the pain mentally. And hello back to New Jersey. A lot of people from New Jersey. Do I find it easier to meditate in silence or with background noise? I would say in silence, there, there's almost always some background noise or another, even if it's the sound of silence, which there's a book called The Sound of Silence, which is very good. But yeah, I would recommend silence as much as you can. Is it possible to meditate during sleep? Uh, I've had lucid dreams where I actually did decide to meditate, but that's not a sustainable way to practice. Okay. All right, cool, Michael. It sounds like a really neat experience. Remember that any meditative experience is just something to let go of. It's an arising, not something to cling to, but yeah, you've been meditating for a while. It's possible to start having some, some cool experiences. Okay. All right. I think that's about it. Covered most of it today. So thanks for practicing with me. I'm proud of y'all for getting through nine days. Tomorrow we move from choices to choiceless awareness, which seems like quite the contrast, but what is choice really? Do we have choice? It's not always so clear. So coming into our choices can be more of a natural segue than we might think toward choicelessness and tomorrow's meditation, which is on choiceless awareness. So until then, keep making great choices and have a great day.